you can subscribe to The Leader through your podcast provider and please do share us with your friends so everyone can get the Evening Standards news, analysis and commentary every day at 4pm. Now, from The Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. How do you stop a pandemic? Two of our elite hospitals, St Thomas's in Lambeth and the Royal Free in Hampstead, they are on standby just now to be the receiving centres should any of the patients suspected to have coronavirus have actually diagnosed. The Evening Standard's health editor, Ross Lydell, explains what happens if coronavirus is found in the UK. Also... They spend a lot of time trying to track down people who are... Suspects in serious offences, using databases compiled from their custody suite images will help them to speed up that process. Martin Bentham on his exclusive story, facial recognition cameras are to be deployed across London. And... Tony Blair at one table, Ivanka Trump popped by. The other side of Davos, Anne McElvoy reveals the fun to be had at an economic forum, as well as news on a US-China trade deal. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, Ross Lydell on coronavirus. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. The streets are being sprayed in Wuhan, China, where the mysterious coronavirus first emerged. Many of the city's 11 million people wear masks over their faces outside and doctors are urging everyone to wash their hands frequently. Hospitals there have used the Chinese equivalent of Twitter, Weibo, to make appeals for supplies. Eleven cities and four towns in the Hubei province are on a travel lockdown. That's 35 million people forbidden from leaving. Disneyland in Shanghai has been shut down to stop the spread. Will any of this work? Our health editor Ross Lydell's covering the story. And Ross, you were at People's Question Time, where the London mayor usually answers concerns about things like crime and housing. But coronavirus was on the agenda there too, wasn't it? People are quite concerned about this. 
Yes, last night, maybe halfway through the event, it's a two-hour event, it was in Wood Green, and uh, a student stood up, he appeared to be of sort of Chinese descent, and he asked the mayor, is London prepared for coronavirus? Uh, what should I do? Sadiq replied that there is no reason to be alarmed. He revealed actually he'd been in contact with Public Health England yesterday and he was assured at that time, we should say, that there were no cases in London. But as we speak just now, there are no cases in London or in England. That may change. But Sadiq uh, did reveal that he was essentially trying to be on top of this. We'll keep an eye on this. If anybody uh, advises, if anybody thinks they've got symptoms, uh, it's best to stay at home. Don't go to the TV practice or go to the hospital, and what Public Health England will do is uh, make this uh, available, this information on the radio and the TV, so people are aware. There's no reason to be alarmed. The reason for this is that he will host on Sunday London's annual Trafalgar Square celebration for Chinese New Year. But he said, we will keep an eye on what happens in Wuhan to make sure we are ready if, God forbid, it comes to this country. So London currently has the all clear, but if this virus spreads, this city will play a major role in, in containing and treating it. That's right. Two of our elite hospitals, St Thomas's in Lambeth and the Royal Free in Hampstead, will be, or they are on standby just now to be the receiving centres should any of the patients suspected to have coronavirus have actually diagnosed. So those patients would be transferred either from home or from uh, an outlying hospital such as Hillingdon uh, to uh, the uh, to guys in St Thomas's in the first instance with the Royal Free on standby as a backup centre. Two or three years ago we remember the Ebola outbreak and that was when the Royal Free really rose to international prominence when it saved the life of several NHS workers who had contracted Ebola in Sierra Leone. So London has some very clever people who are able to deal with infections such as this. So we know the situation here through Public Health England. Internationally, the World Health Organization was expected to declare this as an emergency. They haven't done so yet. What's the hesitation? Well, they've taken two meetings now to think very carefully about this. By declaring a sort of emergency of sort of global concern, it would push um, this on a par with Zika and Ebola, which was twice declared of such magnitude, and would essentially uh, speed help to China. And but also the key point would be it would mean that other countries where cases emerge, they would have a duty to share information about these patients with all other health organisations across the world, so that everybody would know more about the strain of coronavirus and what, uh, how infectious it is, how many other people had been infected by the person who was infected and so on. And this is what the chairman of the organisation's emergency committee, Professor Didier Housen, was talking about last night. It is too early because of limited number of cases uh, abroad and also considering the efforts which are presently made by China, Chinese authorities, in order to try to contain the the disease. So that hasn't happened yet. But what's happened today as well is because UK experts are largely divided on whether this is a good idea or not. And one of the most prominent, Professor Peter Piot, who is from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, now he is a world figure in infectious diseases. He was the man who discovered Ebola back in the 1970s in Africa. He's saying the outbreak is currently at a critical point and or a critical phase, he said. And uh, basically what he said is that there cannot be any complacency 
as to the need for global action, which essentially the WHO declaration would have led to. But he said the good news is that so far it appears this virus may have a lower mortality rate than SARS, which of course killed you know thousands or almost a thousand 20 years or so ago and infected many thousands. And there is a diagnostic test for the disease in the UK, so we can work out quite quickly if somebody has it or not. So, but he says basically beware because there's still a risk of a potential pandemic in one country, if not more. Next. Shopping centres where people go with knives, for example. Some of those high-profile areas might be obvious targets for the Met to use this technology. Martin Bentham on the facial recognition cameras being deployed across London. Facial recognition cameras are being deployed across London for the first time. They'll be looking for people on watch lists, like those suspected of violent crime. It follows trials in parts of the city, but the move's raising concerns among privacy campaigners. Our editorial column, though, says it's the right decision. Fingerprinting, CCTV cameras and DNA testing were all controversial when they came in. Now they are vital police tools. We predict that the same will soon be true of facial recognition technology. At a time when knife crime levels have just hit a record high, it's an essential step which, deployed carefully, will make our streets safer. Some will ask about privacy. It's a fair concern, but one that can be answered. The law is clear and rules are in place to stop it being abused. Data is deleted quickly and the technology works, as anyone who has used it on a new smartphone knows. The system won't be used to track people's movements. Instead, it will detect someone on a police watch list. And trials in London and South Wales last year showed it would identify them up to 90% of the time. Given that, it would be absurd to hold back from deploying it. Our Home Affairs editor, Martin Bentham, broke the story, which you can read on the front page of the Evening Standard. Martin, why do the police want to use this technology? Uh, Simply because they spend a lot of time trying to track down people who are suspects in serious offences, and clearly they hope that having facial recognition, using databases compiled from their custody suite images, will help them to speed up that process and save a lot of police time, in effect and also protect the public by having people who are potentially problematic off the streets more quickly. So how does it work? Uh, Basically what they will do is to use their intelligence about who they need, uh, who they're looking for, uh, compile databases of those type of people for specific operations in particular areas which they'll work out on the basis of where they think particular types of suspects might be. You can imagine uh, shopping centres where people go with knives, for example, to meet other other people. Sometimes there's well-known problems sometimes with that happening in London. Uh, so some of those high-profile areas might be obvious, obvious targets for the Met to use this technology. They will set up a camera, having worked out who they're looking for and where they might be, and then in effect, use it to trigger alerts for people who are passing by and then an officer will look at the resulting image, the resulting match, to check that they're satisfied that that is actually the person they're looking for and then go and talk to them and potentially arrest them if they need to. 
its advantages are obvious, but there are a lot of groups who are deeply concerned about this, the idea of a surveillance state. There's one organization that said it's like taking somebody's DNA without their permission. What's the police response to that? Well, I think the police say, and clearly there are regulators that look at this, including the information commissioners, office and the High Court itself has had a a test case before it about whether uh, such technology in previous trials, which there have been in South Wales and in the Met itself, uh, comply with data protection laws, equality laws uh, and other legislation. And they have concluded that the way that it's been applied so far and that clearly the Met will seek to follow this in future is sufficiently proportionate to the task in hand to alleviate concerns of the sort that you're talking about. For example, the images aren't retained. uh, It's not linked into all sorts of other technologies, so it's a a snapshot use of it in a sense that that as it stands under the the current system, uh, designed for a specific purpose, in this case, generally speaking, to target serious offenders. It also actually will be used potentially for locating, for example, missing children and other vulnerable adults who've gone gone missing so that's a practical use of it which is perhaps less obvious but actually can save an awful lot of police time there are quite a lot of uh, reports of people people having missing children and again those things can be quite time consuming for the police and with so much concern about violent crime which is a really big issue in the upcoming mayoral election this is the kind of tool that if used properly could be really effective well of course if they it's not just a time-saving device as I say although obviously if they save time they've got more time to go and do other things and proactively uh, pursue other offenders and so on but also the <clears throat> the crucial thing is that if you've got a, a serial mugger for example the, the swifter you uh, are able to take them off the streets have them dealt with for the offences which you believe they've committed uh, the better it is same with uh, serial knife carriers it just is is obviously sensible for the police to be able to if they can to be able to catch those people as quickly as they can rather than have to spend uh, a lot of time chasing around london in the hope that they might come across them now The World Economic Forum at Davos has wrapped and the delegates are getting their planes out of Switzerland safe in the knowledge that their flights have been carbon offset. The senior editor of The Economist and standard columnist Anne McElvoy is doing her packing after spending the week there, but she's joining me now on a slightly shaky FaceTime line, which I hope holds. And this year, Greta Thunberg and Donald Trump's dueling speeches dominated the headlines when they appeared on Monday. But as people are heading home now... Is that what they're still talking about? Of course, this week has not just been about climate change. Other subjects have really been China trade deal. Is that is it coming or going, to to put it in simple terms? There had been hopes, and I I heard this from sources high up in the World Economic Forum who run Davos. They were really hoping to get a breakthrough. There was even plan, I think, for there to be some form of announcement uh, that things were moving on much faster. Now, there's an early stage trade uh, announcement that's that's sort of come out of of the White House and, and Beijing, but it's nowhere near what you could call a trade deal. So the other thing that's changed is if you look around this year, there's a sprinkling of senior Chinese delegates. Uh, the year when uh, President Xi was here, 
you could move for uh, Chinese banks, Chinese administrators, Chinese support staff. So I think you can kind of tell whether something is happening or not. And it can't all be about economics and, and, and terrible climate disasters. There must be some fun at Davos. Yes, I am quite happy to confess on your show that there is fun at Davos. We do sit around uh, late at night in, in huddles in quite nice little bars with a, a big glass of, of Swiss wine. So the, the glitz and glamour, what is the, the funny thing about it is it's a mix. You can be at a table, go out to somewhere, and you could see Tony Blair at one table. Ivanka Trump popped by and there was a bit of a fit on in the room. Who should go and talk to her and who didn't want to? Uh, Priyanka Chopra Jonas, the great Bollywood star, Natalia Vodian. Anava, the Russian supermodel. So it's quite an interesting mix that you can turn the corner and be talking to the head of Bank of America one minute and you turn around and there's a large pair of stilettos appears among the snow boots. And look there, it's a celebrity A-lister. That's part of the mix of the place and what adds to the fun as well as the hard work for the week. And that's The Leader. Keep up to date with our audio news bulletins. They're available every weekday through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. This podcast is back on Monday at four. It's Brexit week. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.